0: If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. It's good to see you. It's good to be here. We are in Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going to be doing verses 9 to 20. We're going to finish the chapter. And the title of the message is, How Can I Be Wise in Life? Part 2. Last week we did part 1. I told you about how unwise I was with lifting a basketball net and tearing my bicep and dealing with the long-term consequences of that. I'll tell you another basketball story. A couple of years ago, we were out. I was playing basketball and and uh, I think it was only Zion that was born at the time and and uh, we were playing and I was giving it to these guys and Kim was like, "Hey, I think it's time for us to go home." I was like, "Nah." We need to, right, let me get one more game in. She's like, no, you've, been, you, you've, done, you've done fine. You've scored enough baskets. You know, I was a little bit older and I was playing some young guys. I was like, you see what I'm doing to these young guys? I'm not going anywhere. And she's like, no, we should go. I was like, no, I'm going to get one more in. She's like, fine. About two minutes in, I drive, you know, beat a guy off the, off the dribble. I did him bad too, like gave him a hezzy, and then went up and went up. I got the bucket too. Laid it up, landed, and my, my patella tendon ripped right off. If you want basketball stories, just come to our house. I got lots of them. Patella tendon ripped right off. I tried to lift my leg and it just kept falling because the, it just couldn't engage the muscle. And she's like, I think we're going to need to go to the hospital. I'm like, no, we, should, we don't need to go to the hospital. This will be okay. She's like, you can't walk. And I'm telling you that story because I'm still dealing with the consequences of that moment of being unwise. I should have been humble and gone home, but I was prideful and stayed. Unwise moves can lead to long-term consequences. And that's what I'm trying to show us and teach us from Nehemiah chapter 2, that there is a way in life to be wise and to go about your life saying, I'm going to live by wisdom And trust God instead of trusting in myself because unwise moves, say it, lead to, long-term, say it, consequences. And this chapter tells us how to be wise in life. Here's the first way, by taking time to rest so you can be at your best. One of the ways you can be wise in life is by taking time to rest so you can be at your best. Look, verse 9 says, then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent, that, sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. But then Sanballat the Heronite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, and it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. We're going to get to that. So I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. I was there three days. He gets there, and he, for three days, he does nothing. I was there for three days. He, he takes a break. Here's why he takes a break. Because the journey was actually very difficult. Nehemiah didn't go to Jerusalem on a first-class flight drinking champagne. He went over rough and hard terrain, and it was thousands of miles. It actually took him days to get there. And he says, I did nothing. He took a, he took a moment to stop. In Mark chapter 6, the disciples, they go out. Jesus sends them out, and they go out, and they do beautiful ministry. They spend time, and they're just killing it. And they come back, and they're like, Jesus, let us report to you all that we did. Here's how it went. It was really good. Jesus looks at them, and he goes, thank you for telling me that. Now come away for a minute and rest a while. Go home and read it if you don't believe me. They say all that they did, and Jesus is like, thank you for doing the work of the Lord. But now you need to stop. You need to actually take a break. Resting is wise and it's biblical. It's, say it again. Come on, Rochelle. Say it loud. It's okay. Amen. It's wise and it's biblical. So let me give you some advice on how to make sure you get the rest that you need. I want to say Zan is back today. My boy back there. Raise your hand, Zan. This whole series is because of Zan. We were hanging out, we were studying together, and he's like, I think maybe you should preach this one day. So thank you. Let's give it up for the brother over there. He's married too. I'm really happy for him. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it was a good day. Anyway, let me give you some advice on how to make sure you get the rest you need. How about this? Stop when your body is telling you you need it. Don't you feel it sometimes? The body's like, mmm. We need to slow, and you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Rather than just saying, what's something I can remove to actually stop and honor what my, embrace my frailty. I need to rest. How about this? Humbly entrusting things to others. Just giving things away. Sometimes we're afraid to give things to people. Hey, you just take this on for me. Sometimes we're afraid to give it away. I can get like this because I'm like, what if they do it better than me? And that's just prideful. What if, what if somebody goes up, what if somebody do the thing I'm responsible for and they do it better? You should praise God for that. That there's other people who God has gifted that he can use. Humbly give things away. How about this? Don't be a procrastinator. I almost didn't say it right. Don't be a procrastinator. Some of us are that way, right? We're like, I'm gonna get to that. I'm gonna get to that. Next week, I'll get to that. And then it just piles up and piles up and piles up. And then you're like, I got to do all of this in the last minute. And you know, it's like that university student. I'm great at pulling all-nighters. That's bad. Just letting it all pile up. This next one. Practice discipline and self-control. It's the fruit of the spirit. Go to bed. Anybody ever struggle with that? Netflix, Disney+. Plus hulu i don't even know if you have hulu just binge watching right i we were we were hanging out with somebody the other day and kim was asking them there's a show on tv she's like are you are you watching that you know and she was like no i'm just gonna wait for it all to come so i can watch it all at once and don't they don't they make it hard for you too the episodes ending and the countdown clock starts and you're like should i press it should i stop should I? Oh, maybe one more. And then it's two o'clock in the morning. And you're like, I have a job. <laughs> Just go to bed. Maybe, maybe it's not the not the watching TV. It's the gaming thing. How about, it's a, how about this one? It's a good one. Reading. You know the novel? Ooh. It's going to be there tomorrow. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not into that. Maybe it's the partying. Right? Some of us... Out late, just go to bed. Here's another one that sometimes can, can, can that in terms of practicing self-control, don't overcommit to people, please. It takes, it tell, it takes discipline and self-control to look at a person and, like, and say, no, I've done enough. I'm committed to enough things. I'm saying no so I can at least leave one or two days to be able to rest So I can be at my best. Here's the thing. Rest is a way to protect your health. Do you know that? Rest is a way to stay effective. When you're really tired, when you're worn down, your judgment is is poor. You're You're not as sharp as you need to be. Rest helps your decision making. When you're tired, don't you make some real bad decisions? Rest gives you a chance to evaluate your life. Have you thought about that? You just step back and you can just look. What am I doing? Should I be doing that? Should I keep doing that? Should I add some things? Should I take some things away? Sometimes we can't, like our life's a bit of a mess because we haven't stepped back just to say, is that thing necessary? And how's that thing going? And sometimes we can look and we can say, it's not going well, it needs to go. But we need to stop to be able to do that. Rest is an act of humility. Do you know that? It's saying, I'm not God. God. He is the only one that does not sleep or slumber. God goes all, can go all the time. Us, no, no, no. We need to stop and rest. Can I say one more thing on this? Nehemiah, right? You're letting me be your shepherd. Let me say one more thing. Nehemiah stopped to rest, but he didn't quit serving altogether. Just look down at verse 12. He says, he says so I'll go verse 11. So I went to Jerusalem. I was there for three days. Then I arose in the night. He got back up and got to work. And I want to say, there, there is nothing wrong with taking a break. I'm going to speak specifically here from serving. But at some point, you have to get back up and get in the game. So we need to balance that. Because sometimes in church life, we can be like, I, I want to rest. I need to rest from that thing. And that's Okay. But if you're just resting to this point without a good reason and not participating, let me just be very direct and clear because I love you enough to say it, you are not loving your neighbor. Because when, when, when only a small amount of people are doing everything, that's not loving but when everybody participates, and God willing, we're going to talk about this next week when we get to chapter three, then the work is spread out and we're actually more effective. So if you're on the sidelines and you don't have a good reason, because sometimes we have a good reason, then it's, then it's time to step in and participate in the life of the church. And you might be sitting there and you're like, Marv, are you only talking about serving on Sundays? No. I'm talking about Going to discipleship events, things that we present and put on. I'm talking about praying for others in our church. I'm talking about giving to our church. I'm talking about singing when we gather. Have you realized that those are opportunities to serve? And sometimes, right, we get up here and we just present. There's, there's a need over here, and it's in the kids, and, and there is a need in the kids, by the way. Talk to me about that, okay? And we present just things that are just all sunday focus. but we need to realize that serving is broad, And you you showing up to a discipleship event and participating is a way to serve and bless somebody because your perspective is needed. Your presence is needed. You showing up to sing. Sometimes I'm watching certain certain people in our church sing and you don't know how much you're blessing me because I know what's going on in your life. And maybe I'm back there struggling to sing because sometimes I struggle to sing. But you singing helps me sing. And so we need to to be seeing that in doing those things, we're serving one another. It's good to take a break, but it's good to be in the game too. How do we we be wise in life? Here's this next one. By doing things slowly, not impulsively. By doing things slowly, not impulsively. He says in verse 12, then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what what God had put in my heart to do. For Jerusalem, there was no animal with me, but the one on which I rode. I went out by night, by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate, and inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that were destroyed by fire. Then I went out to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. That that little uh, you know sort of piece that he says there, there was no room. Tells you how actually how bad the wall was, how bad things were, that he couldn't really travel. Then I went and up by, in the night by the valley gate and inspected the wall and turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know what I had go- where I had gone or what I was doing. And I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were with me to do the work. He gets up and goes. And you notice what he does? He doesn't start talking when he gets up. He goes and does research. He goes and inspects verse 13 I inspected the wall verse 15 I inspected the walls Nehemiah figured out what needed to be done before he started doing it And he doesn't rush into talk look in verse 12 I told no one what God had put into my heart verse 16 I had not told the Jews and the officials what I had what who were to do the work He doesn't rush into action and he doesn't rush into talk See, and here's here's what you got to take from this. You need to, if you're planning to do something in your life, because all of us have plans. All of us have things that we're thinking about doing. Do your research first. So at least you know what you're getting into before you get into it. So many times we rush into things and we're like, ooh, had I known that, I wouldn't have done this. Like, well, did you check? Did you talk to anybody? Or did you just feel it so you did it? See, when you move quick, sometimes you can make a mess that's hard to fix. Oh, somebody say amen. He did his research first. And this idea of moving slowly actually applies also to our words. Do you know that? James 1.9, let everyone be slow to speak and slow to become angry. Haven't we seen sometimes when you speak quickly, when you speak without thinking, the harm that it does? The the hurt that you can cause, whatever comes to my lips, I just let it fly off. Right? That person is like, I'm direct. That's who I am. It's like, you know how many people you've hurt? (laughs) This also applies to appointing leaders, this idea of doing things slowly. 1 Timothy 5 says, do not lay on hands quickly. And that applies in the church. We're not going to just put people up here like, here. we just like this person. So they're in this role. No, we don't do that quick. You don't do it in the church, but you also shouldn't do it in your business. You shouldn't do it in government. You shouldn't do it in education. Why? Because a bad leader, an immature leader, somebody put into a position that they're not ready for can cause a lot of trouble. And so we take our time. We move slowly. It also applies to the way you make money. Do you know that? Doing things slowly. Proverbs 13, verse 11 wealth gained hastily will dwindle but whoever gathers little by little will increase here's what you got to understand the bible has no problem with you getting your bread up it has no problem with you making money you should you should want to grow it's okay right this is the flip side right the, the prosperity preachers are like that's what you got to get it you got to get it you got to go after it and you got a gift to get it by the way you ever catch that but then we, the, the overreaction is like, we just don't want to talk to people about actually trying to build their wealth. It's okay. It's wise because you got to pay for stuff. Have you been to the grocery store lately? It's, okay. it's good and wise to make money, but you got to be wise in how you do it. You got to build it slow, wisely ethically, in a way that pleases God. And then when you get it, you are not to just use it on yourself. You take care of some things that are your responsibility. Yes, you give to the work of God, and then you actually use some to bless other people. When it comes to money, you make some, you save some, you give some, you spend some. That's a wise way to use, use money. And But we do that slowly and wisely. How can I be wise in life? Here's this next one. By being part of the solution when you highlight a problem. (laughs) By being part of the solution when you highlight a problem. Verse 17 says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we're in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. There's shame for the wall being the way it is. There's shame for for Jerusalem to be in ruins and destroyed. Where am I? Verse 18. And I told them of the good hand of God that had been put upon me for good, and also the word that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hand for the good work Nehemiah did his research, and then he spoke. And when he spoke, he was honest. He said, Jerusalem lies in ruins. And here's the thing. He, it, it seems like he has to say this because it seems like the people had, like, forgotten that they were just, they were okay functioning in dysfunction, and Nehemiah looks at them and he says, no, nah, we, we actually, I don't know if you guys noticed, but we can't live like this. We can't live in a city where I can't even ride around on my donkey. I can't get where I need to go. He's like, this needs to change. He spoke the truth in love and isn't that what you need in your life sometimes somebody to show up to look at you and say i love you enough to say that that thing that you have been comfortable with that thing that you think is okay is not okay because it's unacceptable to god we need to be willing to look at each other and be like what you're doing is what how things are is not okay you are, fu- you are functioning in dysfunction. that tells you, sometimes that happens in our life. You get to the spot where you, you're going around and everything looks good, but it's real dysfunctional. And we're blind to it. And we need people to come in and say, I love you, but nah, that needs to actually change. And here's the thing. It's not easy to receive a hard word. Isn't it tough sometimes when somebody tells you the truth? Aren't you like, what are they talking about? Do they know what's going on in their life? Do they know what somebody told me about them yesterday? Oh, we're not supposed to gossip though. (laughs) You get your back up. You get angry. But what you got to remember in those moments, when somebody tells you a hard word, when somebody says something tough, remember what the scriptures say. Faithful are the wounds of a friend sometimes somebody has to hurt you to help you. They have to say something tough to get you off the crooked path, to get you back on the narrow path, to say you're going the wrong way, but there's a right way to go. And we need to be humble enough to actually receive it. Here's the thing. We need to be humble enough to to invite it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked at somebody who you're like, I know this person cares about me, and I'm telling them right now, if you ever see something in my life, if you ever see, me, see something going on where it's out of step, I want you to speak to it. Have you ever done that? Because if you do that, it says you're willing and wanting to grow in maturity. My coach at football used to always say, feedback is the breakfast of champions, some of the toughest moments in sport, in, 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 in playing football, was film session. You know what film session was? It was after the game, we just watched what we did. And we, we looked, and sometimes the coach would get the red laser pointer out, and they'd be like, who is that? And everyone would be like, that's Marv. <laughs> and coach would say, Marv, what are you doing over there? You should be over there. Now, I could get prideful, but I wouldn't get better. I could argue back. I could, storm out of the, I could storm out of the session and feel embarrassed. Or I could realize that, oh, this person and these people in this room are for me. And because they're for me, they're telling me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. And so much of our life is that we just want people to tell us what we want to hear. You're not going to grow like that. Part of our, one of the objectives of our church is we want to shepherd one another to maturity in Christ. And the way we do that is by speaking into each other's lives lovingly. And if you're the one, you know, maybe tomorrow you get the opportunity, you're like, mm, I see something in Mars life. He told me to do it. So I'm going to run up on that, bro. I'm going to tell him something. Fine. But when you do it, be gentle. Because here's the thing, your day might come. If you're speaking the truth in love to somebody, you're speaking to somebody, speak with gentleness, love, and kindness because you haven't arrived. And five minutes later, somebody might be like, hey, you were talking to so-and-so, I need to talk to you now. Speak the truth, but speak it in love. Nehemiah pointed out, a problem, but I want you to notice that he didn't say, All right, guys, all the best. <laughs> I'm going back to Susa. Good luck with that. No, he stayed. Nehemiah stayed. He helped. He ident- do you notice that Nehemiah identifies with the people? He says in verse 17, do, do you see the trouble we are in? You see that? In verse 17, he says, Let us. Build. See, lots of people can point out problems in people's lives. There are a lot of people who are, they're just critical. They can, they can point out things that are wrong at their job. They can point out things that are wrong with this church. They can point out things that are wrong in the lives of other people. They can point out things that are wrong in their community. But here's the thing. It takes a special person to be part of the solution. It's very easy to call out a problem. But it takes it takes a special person and that should make you and that makes me think of jesus here's the thing jesus points out a problem in your life but i want you to know that jesus came to be part of the solution jesus if you want to be like jesus be a person who's like yeah i'm in i want to be a part of the solution because jesus doesn't he doesn't come and say "Mm, look at your problem you guys stink He says, yeah, this is a mess here, but I came to identify with you, to live for you, and die for you so that your life can be changed. And he did all that. And so when you're a part of the solution, you're being like your Savior. Nehemiah said something needed to be changed. And then he stayed, and he helped. And the people were motivated. Do you notice it? Verse 18, it says, and I told them of the good hand of God that had been upon me for good and also the word that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. They were excited. They were happy to do the work. Me and Kim, we were out on Friday. We went out for breakfast Friday morning. And I went to the bathroom. And in the bathroom, there's a sign that says, one of the nicest things that you can do for people is make them breakfast. <laughs> And I was like, I, I'm not down. I like breakfast. There's, I like a good breakfast. There's nothing wrong with breakfast. But I was like, no. No, seriously, I'm standing there. I'm looking at the sign. Like, what? Got an egg on it. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, no. One of the nicest things you can do for somebody is tell them that there's a problem in their life and help them get it right. Be there for them through it. Here's the thing, your presence, your support will give them great motivation when things get tough. Again, we can point something out in a person's life that needs to be fixed, but the road, the walk is gonna be long. When you read through Nehemiah, lots of hard things come the rest of the way. Right now, they're like, let's rise up and build, but in two chapters later, chapter four, opposition's gonna be right there. Even in this chapter, there's opposition, and so when you're telling somebody, hey, something needs to be changed in your life, there's going to be struggles. It's going to be tough. But if you're there for them, if you're there with them in it, they're, it, they're probably not going to give up because they're like, that. somebody's with me in as I try to climb this hill, as I try to get this thing right, being part of the solution. How can we be wise in life, here's this last one, by continue, continuing to trust God in moments of opposition. Verse 19 says, but when Sanballat the Haronite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what, are you, what, are, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Anytime you try to do a good thing for the Lord, somebody's going to be upset. And here's, and the thing that's what's interesting is when you're trying to do a good thing and somebody's opposing you, they tend to recruit. I'm serious. Notice we went from two names to three names. Did you catch it? They, went, they recruit. And that's the thing about opposition. They're, they... People who oppose the word, they love to just get a crowd together. Hey, we really hate those people over there. You want to come with us? Yeah. They recruit. They jeered at us, Nehemiah said. They hated Nehemiah. He said he despised us. Do you notice also that they falsely accused Nehemiah? They said, What is this that you're doing, rebelling against the king? They're lying here. You know how you know what they're lying? Because they saw the letters he brought. Go back. Verse 9. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent me with officers of the army. But when Sanblat, the Haranite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this... It displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the... They heard about the letter. So how are they now like, what are you doing rebelling against the king? Nehemiah's like, what are you talking about? Are you not up to date? I know you're up to date. You heard it. They're lying. Nehemiah came to do good and he ran into trouble. When you go to the New Testament, what you realize is that history repeats because Jesus comes to do good. And he runs into opposition, and the same thing that happened to Nehemiah happened to Jesus. But they went further. Jesus was mocked. Do you remember that? Jesus was falsely accused at a false at at his trial, and they go further. Jesus was not just hated; he was killed on a cross. But God works through that evil to save you and me and is actively in the process of transforming your life and changing our world. Why? Because God is in control at all times. And that's what Nehemiah actually affirms next. He says, look at verse 20. Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we his servants will rise and build but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem Nehemiah looks at them and he says you can oppose the people of God but you cannot stop the work of God say what you want but we're going to keep going God is going to do his thing and I want you to notice a phrase I want you to circle it if you want to the God of heaven. That's like the, that in between chapter like one and two, that's like his favorite, Nehemiah's favorite phrase. The God of heaven. He says it in chapter one, verse five. He says it earlier in chapter two, verse four. And when he says it, what he's saying is, God is sovereign. It's just another way of saying God is, He is over the God of heaven and earth sovereign over all things nehemiah hears them they try to scare him but he's like i'm not scared i'm not worried because god is in control nehemiah is teaching you and me what to remember when opposition strikes and it's gonna strike if it hasn't already i said it last week it's not all love out there for you if you love jesus It's not all love out there if you actually hold to the biblical ethic. It's not all love out there if you say marriage is supposed to be between one man and one woman for one lifetime. Some people are going to get upset. It's not all love out there if you say God created us male and female and it stays that way. It's not all love. And maybe you're sitting here like, I don't agree. But it's not all love out there. There's going to be opposition when you hold to the things that scripture says. But when you remember that God is sovereign, Sanjay, you can come if you want. When you remember that God is over all things, when you remember that no matter what comes, God is going to protect you. It holds you from going to that place of panic it holds you from discouragement one of my favorite parts of scripture is in acts acts chapter 16 go home and read it paul and silas are thrown in jail why because they're holding to what scripture says they're preaching the gospel and nobody is happy about it they get thrown in prison and do you know what those guys are doing in prison they're singing They're singing and giving praise to God. And when they sing, do you know what they're saying? We can sing because no matter where we are, no matter what is going on, God is in control. We might get killed tomorrow. They don't know if that's going to happen. But they know that even if that happens, God is on it. And that if somebody took their life, they were going to be in glory with God in perfect joy so they could sing in the midst of opposition and opposition comes and it might make you be, fill you with fear it might even discourage you but you got to remember that God is sovereign opposition comes and it might tempt you to compromise maybe I could just ease off of this a little bit and then these people will like me oh no 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 if you ease off they're only gonna keep pushing and pushing and pushing until you're just giving up on everything it protects you from compromise It protects you from giving up on the faith. Nehemiah says, the God of heaven will make us prosper. Nehemiah chose faith over fear. The question is, what are we going to do when the opposition comes? I know you. I love you. I believe in you. And I believe you will choose faith. You will choose to trust God. From the start of this chapter to the end, you all you see is Nehemiah being wise, making wise moves and we should do the same. Because here's why, unwise moves can have long-term consequences. And God is in control. Trust him with your life. Let's stand and pray. God, we give you praise and glory for who you are. God, we know that every day requires wisdom for living and we pray lord as the ancient of days as the one who's sovereign over all, that you would give us wisdom as we go i pray god that we would have received wisdom from opening your scriptures together and i pray that you would help us to walk in wisdom to walk in full trust and faith that we would be wise in how we carry ourselves when it comes to rest, when it comes to opposition, when it comes to supporting and helping each other grow into faith. We thank you that you have given us your spirit to walk with us, to guide us. We thank you, Lord God, that you've given us a church family to figure this thing out with. And so we pray and give you praise. And I pray you'd help us now to sing your praise as the one who is overall. In Jesus' name, Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.